This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. In this week's In-Ear Insights, we are talking influencer marketing, network graphing databases, and so much more. So uh, as we talked about on last week's show, uh, one of the things that we found in our Instagram uh, analysis was that Instagram influencers, for good or ill, are four times as effective as brands in terms of just getting engagement on Instagram. And so that naturally brings up the question, well, then how do you find these influencers? How do you know who's the real deal and who's just, you know, talking to themselves a lot? Uh, we all know plenty of people who love to wax rhapsodic on uh, uh, on the internet uh, and, and pose their deep questions to the universe, but you know, sometimes the universe doesn't really respond. So Katie, when you think about identifying influencers and who even constitutes an influencer, what do you think about and how is it different from, you know, most number of followers or, you know, largest number of engagement? When I think about a good, solid, valuable internet influencer, I'm using the word internet because it kind of covers the different social media channels. Um, you know, so it could be Instagram, Twitter, whatever, but basically it's someone who's making those connections. It's someone who is a subject matter expert in their space, um, whether it be fashion, beauty, MarTech, IT, you know, whatever it is, and who can, you know, bring people into a conversation. And it's almost like you just want that influencer to start the conversation so that other people can continue it on and reference back to that person. But you don't necessarily... I think the problem with influencers uh, is that sometimes you're looking for someone who's just like shouting at everybody and just making noise and who's the loudest. But I don't think that that's a really good, valuable influence. You might get a lot of eyeballs on it, but that doesn't mean that people are going to engage and take action with whatever this influencer is saying. So when I think about influencers, I think about someone who is, uh, you know, that idea starter, that conversation starter, that seed planter who can say, hey guys, I'm gonna drop a little nugget of information here, go run with it. And it sort of spreads far and wide, but always references back to that person who started the conversation. Sounds like a conspiracy theorist leader. Like here, go do your own research. Well, <laughs> maybe. I mean, that's a type of influencer. It, it certainly is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, a number of years ago, we wrote a book uh, it's no longer in circulation. Maybe we should dust it off and, and update it um, <clears throat> on identifying influencers. And the three categories that we came up with at the time were, you know, sort of the the, the thought leader, you know, the person who, uh, for the people who are old like me, uh, there were commercials back in the 70s and 80s for a financial expert called EF Hutt. And the, the tagline to their commercials was when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. And it was all these like, things like, you know, he was on a train, he started to talk and this, everyone on the train stopped and looked at him. Um, <clears throat> so you have that sort of that thought leader. And those are people who don't have to be loud. In fact, usually they're not um, in the marketing space. You know, one of the ones that, that people reference the most is Seth Godin. Right. And he isn't on social media. <laughs> yeah, he really doesn't participate. Um, but yet he's that that thought leader. Then you have the the middle group we call um, you know network hubs uh, or you know mayors if you will the people who know everybody and th again those are folks that they don't have to be loud but they know everybody you know and you say hey I need to get a meeting with the VP of marketing at Dell and they're like oh yeah Bob and I you know went to to 
college together or you know bob's my cousin's friends whatever <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of thing um and those are people that particularly for b2b you know that's a those are the influencers that will land multi-million dollar deals and then the third category is like you said the kardashians the, the loud people and stuff mm -hmm. um one of the challenges though that you have with a lot of influencer marketing software out there is that it's only really good at that latter category yeah it's because i think that there's still um not a lack of understanding of influencers but on behalf of companies sort of a lack of you know long-term planning of how influencers could be used to boost their brand and so a lot of times it's a well we have this event going on who can we get who can reach the most people to promote our stuff which is a fine and decent um plan but there's no real long-term thinking in that you know is that person going to stay with your brand long term to really you know help be an ambassador for it because that's really what you're after is a brand ambassador someone who's going to constantly be known and associated with your brand and you know so chris to your point you know someone like seth godin like if he's not on social media but people are referencing him if he starts saying like oh you know what i exclusively work with trust insights well everyone's going to move to start paying attention to what the heck it is that we're doing and so that's the kind of longer term planning that you know we would want to be thinking about especially in the b2b space in the consumer space um i do think it's a little bit different especially if you're just looking for that like celebrity thumbs up of endorsement because you can kind of like switch out influencers depending on who's hot that minute um which again <laughs> is it's short-term thinking unless you're going to be building up that influencer along with your brand to keep them long term yeah, that really is the the catch. And so one of the challenges I think that marketers face in the influencer marketing space is the fact that most of the software really is not tuned to mm -hmm. identifying anything other than the loud people. Like the loud people are easy. Um, you can, and, and many pieces of software do say, like this person has, you know, 142 million followers. You know, Taylor mm -hmm. Swift has the 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 follower base of a, of a large, you know, nation. Like the only difference between Taylor Swift and, and a nation is that most nations have navies and, and Taylor Swift does, does not yet. Um, we'll see. Is that is that on our <laughs> list of things to do is to build a navy? I mean, <laughs> you it know, writing, writing albums during the pandemic and stuff like that. You know, who knows? It's who anything's knows? possible. Um, but the other categories of influencers are harder to see because for two reasons. One, not all the data is available. Like certainly uh, you can see some of what happens on uh, Twitter, uh, which is mm -hmm. probably the most used and possibly the most overused network uh, for influencer identification. You can see some of the data on Instagram. You really can't see much on Facebook and you can see zero uh, on LinkedIn. And so it becomes very difficult to identify Oh, those other classes of influencer, but the other challenge that people run into is they don't have the technology background to mm -hmm. digest that data and turn it into something useful. I'm assuming that there are. I've never personally had to look for this kind of software, but are there off-the-shelf pieces of software that will identify influencers for you? And to your point, Chris, do they just look for like, you know, largest number of followers? There are tons tons of, of influencer identification you know uh companies out there and yeah a, a large number of them either look at one of two things who's got the the loudest mouth or the biggest audience right and and on the b2c side at least you know who gets 
you know, decent amounts of engagement on a, on a per piece basis. Uh, that's about it. <clears throat> there isn't much else out there on the B2B side. Uh, there are a couple of additional uh, pieces of software out there, like Tracker, Analytica, a few others that um, do have uh, you know, slightly more sophistication. Um, I, we actually were at a, uh, a marketing conference. We had a chat with the CTO of Analytica for a while, and we're discussing the different algorithms they use and stuff. And I have a philosophical difference between them, but at least that they're, they're using more advanced technology. Mm -hmm. So... It sounds like there's um, a couple of limitations based on what's available right off the shelf. And it the limitation might be what it is that you want to do with an influencer. And so if you're looking for someone to, you know, grow along with your brand, you might not be able to find that person through these, you know, pieces of software because of their lack of following for now. Um, you know, you could probably to tune it to say, I want someone who's in this space with this many followers, but you really need to do the work to get on those platforms before I, this is my opinion. I feel like you need, like, if you want an Instagram influencer, you need to get on Instagram and start looking and searching and doing that manual. Like, what does this person look like? How do they engage? You can do that with some of the software, but nothing replaces really just getting into that platform itself and seeing who's there. Yep. And one of the, the things I think is philosophically different that in the way we approach it than, than others do is in what constitutes influence, right? Mm -hmm. So again, most platforms, most software, most people think, okay, who is talking the most, right? Who's, who's the conversation starter? And at least in you know in the graphing software we use, we use what's called network graphing software um, to look at the interactions between uh, different people. I like to look at who is most talked about because again, Seth Godin not on social media, but yet Seth Godin everybody talks about him. Um, mm -hmm. When we look at Twitter mentions or Instagram mentions or uh, any of the mentions that are available on on these da different data feeds, it's it's more important, I think, to see who's talking about you rather than who you're talking about, because you can wax, you know, poetic all day long uh, and you know post a hundred thousand pieces of content on LinkedIn. But if nobody ever talks about you, then you don't have presence of mind. Your brand is not top of mind. Whereas if people are talking about you constantly, you know you've gotten into people's heads. And so, from a a computational perspective of influence, uh, I think there's a lot more value in knowing uh, who is most talked about. And then, it, you know, obviously that whoever those people are, if they start referencing you, like you were saying, if you, you, know, you have someone who's talked about as the, the revered expert, and they mention you know, trust it's like, wow, people will pay attention to that. You know, there's, there's folks in every industry who are just, they are the folks that everybody looks to and, and follows to see what they recommend. And when they recommend something, you know, the most cl the classical example in the B2C world is, is when Oprah mentions a product, that company had better be ready because they're going to sell uh -huh. out immediately. So, you know, we looked at some of this data on last week's live stream. We looked at the hashtag marketing Twitter. So we've talked a little bit about how there was this movement at the end of last year to really build up this sub community within um, Twitter for the marketing. And so you can see the largest bubble there is the handle that Christina G that's Christina Garnett. And she started 
I wouldn't, I don't know if she like originally founded the idea of the marketing Twitter hashtag, but what she did was she tweeted out this, um, you know, post talking about if you want to make more connections, if you want to get more followers, then respond to this thread. And it really sort of took off in what you could consider a viral way. And so now, you know, three and a half months later, it's something that people are still talking about on Twitter, which is a big deal, especially in a social media space for people to have that long of a memory um, on a social media platform because things happen instantaneously and then you forget. And I constantly see two things happening. One is Christina is constantly boosting other people. She's retweet, she is retweeting people's posts constantly all the time. She herself is tweeting conversation starters. And then when people are posting, they are referencing her without her saying, hey, talk about me. And so that's why her bubble in this network graph is so big because she's doing a lot of talking, but not talking at, she's actually having those meaningful conversations and conversation starter. She is engaging with people and people are talking about her an awful lot because of what she did for that community. And she's still working to build it. Yep. And for those who are listening to this episode um, and can't see what's on screen, if you go to trustinsights.ai slash YouTube, you can see the video portion of this. We'll also put a, an image of this in the blog post uh, over at trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. So you can see uh, what's going on, uh, what we're referencing. But it basically looks like a big spider web with lots of you know little and big circles in it. So part of the reason why I think this is so important is that it Network graphs and, and graphing databases, these are not new. These have been around for 50-ish some odd years. Uh, and they're pretty straightforward to understand conceptually. When you have, say, two nodes, you and me, for example, and we communicate to each other in, in any fashion, um, you create these what are called edges. And it's basically, it's a, it's a line connecting two dots. Uh, and the more you and I communicate to each other, the, the bigger that connection should uh, get growing. Now, if you mm -hmm. add and say our, our partner, John, and, and, you know, and John only talks to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, my dot on the map would get bigger than, uh, than say yours, or John's would, because we're, you know, there's, there's more communication coming into, into my node. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is take this data of who's talking to or about whom inside of Twitter and be able to, and, or Instagram, and map this out to understand, oh, this is this is who is most talked about. And that gives us the ability to say, okay, I need to talk to Christina Garnett or Michelle Garrett or any of these other folks and say, like, yeah, let's let's have a chat with them and see if there's a way to organically and sensibly work ourselves into into their uh, mind space, you know, their share mm -hmm. of mind. So that when somebody says, Hey, who do you know that you know can help with us with our analytics? We come up in their mind, and then that recommendation spreads to their community. Um, the challenge with network graphing, well, there's a bunch of challenges. <laughs> One, uh, there's not a lot of technology out there that will process the data itself. Like the, the software, there's, there's a ton of good software packages out there that do it, many of which are open source, like Neo4j, Gephi, um, iGraph, et cetera. But they all presume that you've got the data pre-processed and almost nothing uh, does it. We had to write our own software to do it because it wasn't anything else we could find that did it. Um, mm -hmm. And then 
you have to have some level of domain expertise in network graphing databases to know which algorithm to use. This is going back to what we were talking about earlier with Analytica. Um, they use uh, a harmonic centrality uh, algorithm. We use an eigenvector centrality mechanism. And they are, they're two almost opposite ways of looking at communications. We look at who's most talked about and they look at who's doing the most talking. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I think that this is one of those really misunderstood pieces of the process. Um, it's, it always goes back to what is the question you're trying to answer? It's so having that plan and, you know, part of that plan, as we've been talking about on the live, uh, the so what live stream every Thursday at 1 PM Eastern is, you know, that exploratory data analysis process and really sort of coming up with the business requirements, the data requirements. And so not skipping over that piece of the process to say, do I even have the data in order to, you know, answer this question? If the question is, you know, who's the best influencer for my brand, then you need to know where that data is coming from. You know, are, do you want an Instagram influencer? Do you want a Twitter influencer? Do you want a Snapchat or a Clubhouse influencer? You know, you need to decide and then you need to figure out, does that data even exist? Yep. And again, this is, you're absolutely right. This is so important. Knowing your goals um, determines which algorithm you're going to use in a graphing database. If you just want, uh, you know, a human being that you can stick a credit card into and ads come out, that's, that's fine. You know, that's a, that's a Kardashian. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible job. <laughs> I don't know. The Kardashians seem to be doing reasonably well. Um, that's one type of influence. And in that case, you really do want the loudest, most engaged people. And, the, and mm -hmm. for that application, it makes total sense. The challenge is those people tend to be very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. If you want that person who can broker deals, you know, then Analytica's choice of like uh, a harmonic centrality mechanism actually makes great sense, right? Because you want somebody who could say, okay, yeah, I, I know this person, you know, and I can get you in the door with this person and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but if you want somebody who is that thought leader who can boost your brand and reputation, then you want and this the, the first uh, algorithm, the eigenvector centrality mechanism, because that person is the one everybody else looks up to as an actual authority. And so if you're not clear on your goals, you won't pick the right algorithm. And then you'll end up with the wrong influencers. So let me ask you this question, Chris, because you've just described three algorithms. And so let's let's just go ahead and assume that the majority of marketers don't necessarily know which algorithm that they would want. If they do their homework to say, these are my goals, this is the data that I have, this is the outcome that I'm looking for, do they need to understand how the algorithms work or can they run the data until they get the right kind of outcome? So marketers without the technical background are a little bit stuck because, and this is not their fault, a lot of the influencer marketing companies will not disclose what algorithm they use. They say, we have our proprietary in-house, blah, 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 you know, the usual mm -hmm. sales garbage. <clears throat> and they won't tell you what's in the box. Mm -hmm. And so you'll just get, you know, lists of influencers back and you don't know how they were chosen. And chances are the person you're working with at the company also has no idea because they aren't the ones who engineered the software. The only way that you can be absolutely positively sure how it was selected is if the company tells you 
Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, again, props to Analytica for being willing to admit, like, yes, this is exactly the algorithm we use. And now I know when they, they have the use case for what they're describing works and when it doesn't. Or mm-hmm. you got to build it yourself. Um, because otherwise, you, I, like, I don't trust anybody who says this is a proprietary algorithm. We won't tell you uh, anything about it. Like, you can tell somebody the core algorithm underneath the hood without giving away the secret sauce of how you process the data and how you, you know, what cutoffs you make for saying, yeah, this is the selection cutoff. You don't have to give away the secret sauce to say like, yeah, this is what it is. It's like going to a restaurant saying, you know, here's our mystery dish. Well, no, is, is it a sandwich? Is it a sushi? Like you don't have to tell me the exact ingredients, but just tell me what it is I'm going to eat. Um, the same is true with this stuff. It's like saying, mm-hmm. just tell me what's generally you're doing under the hood. And, and most of these companies won't. So ideally, if I'm following correctly, ideally, if I did my homework, I put my plan together and I said, I want someone who is a conversation starter. I want someone who has, you know, a big network doesn't have to be like millions of people, but it has to be the right kind of network. If I go to one of these companies, they should be able to say, yes, my eigenvector centrality software does that like so you don't have to understand what eigenvector centrality is but they should be able to say our algorithm looks at total number of followers our algorithm looks at total engagement total reach likes retweets whatever it is and combines that for one general influencer score like they should be able to break it down for you in those terms they don't have to give you the exact like formulas of it's like X, Y plus B plus R, Q squared equals, you know, 95. But to your point, Chris, it sounds like they should be able to say, this is what we consider in our algorithm that gives you the output in plain English. Ideally, yes. Uh, Right. Ideally. It's not very common. It's not very common. It's not very Mm -hmm. common. You know, it it is one of the reasons why we've had to build a lot of this stuff ourselves because we could not get that information out of somebody else. And I'm not saying you have to go and build your own software, although certainly it does help if it if you influencer marketing is going to be, you know, a part of your core strategy, you might want to invest the time and the the resources to build some of the software yourself or work with an agency that does it for you. Um, mm-hmm. but if it's not, then yeah, you know, just I guess pick vendors and, and hope it works out. But I've I've not found a lot of of companies that are be, are willing to even be the slightest bit forthcoming, because I think in some ways they feel like that it's a commodity, and if they give away any part of the recipe, somebody else could steal it. Um, and I think there's some truth to that, but at the same time, it's you know there's so much that goes into the construction of software like this that even small changes along the way. Um, can make a big difference in the in the end outcome. It's you know it's just like cooking. You just put in a pinch too much salt at one point in the process, and then you're you're basically eating a salt like at the end, um, as opposed to the dish you were you were <laughs> looking <Yeah>. for. <clears throat> Something <laughs> is, you were just saying about I want who is most talked about, but I also want a certain following size. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking and you think about the data. Okay, I have, I have a cutoff point, <clears throat> and then some data will not get included. And you have you have to know if you're mm-hmm. building this stuff. Where in the process do you make that cut? Naively, you might think I'll cut it off at the beginning, but then you won't get all the people, the mentions from lesser folks mm-hmm. in terms of audience size who are talking about that other person. So you have to know in the process where to make that cut. So there's there's a lot of nuance, even to a very simple set of requirements like you just gave. And so it's really important that those requirements be very explicitly declared. Well, and I think that you know your point is well stated of 
you know, the way that I would program an algorithm versus the way that you would program the algorithm. We could take the exact same algorithm, but because you and I are different people, it's going mm -hmm. to come out differently because we have our own set of ideas. Even if we start with the exact same set of requirements, the exact same algorithm, the exact same data, I think that's something that, you know, these companies that are trying to black box it are forgetting is that, you know, their team, their the composition of their team is unique to them. That's what's proprietary. Then, you know, so if you if you can, you know, reverse engineer what the algorithm is, your outcome is still going to be different from theirs because you are not them. And yep. I know we always kind of come back to like at the end of the day, humans are the ones who program these algorithms. But that's the bottom line is that you, the human, are the start and the end of the process. Yep. It's like the shows on YouTube. There's, there's a hilarious series of like, you know, a celebrity versus a, a you know, an expert chef. And they both try to make the same dish. And, and, and obviously the celebrity who has no cooking experience just completely hoses it. Same tools, same ingredients, same process. But the, the human behind it, like the, 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 the master chef makes this amazing looking dish and the celebrity is <laughs> a pile of flaming garbage. Like it's, it's very clear that that expertise does matter and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I guess to summarize, when it comes to this, to, to influencers and network graphing and all this technology, you have to know what's in the box. If you don't know what's in the box, even conceptually, mm -hmm. you don't know that the results you're being given are good or bad. You know, it, again, going back to a food analogy, if you don't know how a dish is made and you say you have an allergy, you could be in a lot of trouble. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so those requirements upfront really matter when it comes to influencer marketing. Um, the process matters, and the the people not only you know who are you're trying to manage for influences, but who's building the stuff for you, or who's built who the agencies mm -hmm. that you're working with. You got to know the people too. It's it's almost like you know people, process, and platform actually matter together more than they do individually. That's a that's a weird concept, Chris. Uh, so if you can bring up that graphic again one more time as we close out. So, you know, as we've been talking about the different algorithms. So if you were to post this on a social media platform and say, we did a network graph of the influencers, the first question that most people should be asking is, what does this mean? And we can tell them, well, we used Gephi, we pulled Twitter data, and the question that we wanted to answer was who is being the most talked about. If you are looking for influencer marketing software to, to tell you who are the influencers and they can't answer those basic questions for you, then you should probably, you know, run away screaming or, you know, gently walk away. Either way, you need to know how it works. And so we are telling you straight up how we do it. We use Gephi. We pull the data straight from the uh, networks themselves. And oftentimes we are looking for who is the most talked about and who is making those connections. Yep. And if you'd like to see more of this, um, go tune into our uh, live stream show. So what? I believe we're going to do it in a couple of weeks to a walkthrough mm -hmm. from beginning to end of the process. So you can actually see a good chunk of the process yourself. Um, so that's Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can find that over at trustinsights.ai slash YouTube for our YouTube channel, which is where one of the main places it airs. If you've got questions about what we've talked about in today's episode, head on over to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, our free Slack group. We're 1,500, no, 1,600 people now uh, chatting all things analytics and a bunch of other fun stuff too. We just added like 12 new channels on, on a whole bunch of work-life balance stuff. 
And again, wherever you're watching or listening, if you want to head over to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast for other ways to uh, consume content, which is whatever is most convenient for you. Uh, we've got all the options there. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Want help solving your company's data analytics and digital marketing problems? Visit trustinsights.ai today and let us know how we can help you.